Hey everyone, you're listening to the Connect Church Podcast. We hope this sermon inspires you as well as builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Uh, The title of my message this morning is called The Lord's Personal Attendant. The Lord's Personal Attendant. And I'm just trusting that this will be uh, a segue from our time of refreshing or being refreshed into the series that God is going to impress our hearts regarding is serving him and uh, also that it would be a follow-up somewhat to the last teaching I gave on the tabernacle of the Lord how many of you remember some of that last time that's good and uh, we know that uh, that word uh, tabernacle simply means a tent and that God gave his people uh, a pattern He gave them a house that they could experience his presence and that he would be able to experience them. And and it it was wonderful, the the way that they were able to enter into the presence of the Lord in that way. And uh, we know that there's three partitions in the tabernacle or in um, the temple, as it were, three partitions, the uh, the outer court, the holy place, and then the holy of holies. And in that place of the Holy of Holies, there was the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant, it's not like the movie, uh, they're just kind of making reference to it, but the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. And on that Ark of the Covenant, there was two cherubim uh, that were standing over the Ark in a beautiful worshipful position, uh, facing each other and, and, and worshiping the Lord. And we know that in Exodus 25, 22, the Lord said to his people, I will meet with you between the wings of the cherubim. And it's God's heart as we come together that he desires to meet with us in a tangible way, that, that as the priests made their sacrifices and they moved into that beautiful place of communion with the Lord, that they would experience the tangible, manifest presence of the Lord. And that's what the Lord desires for us. That's what we're encouraged every time we come together this morning as we're worshipful and praising God. It's a wonderful thing. God has a model. God has a, has a, a plan, and he unfolds it to us as we come before him. Uh, there was another portion of scripture in Acts 15, 16 that says, the Lord says, Uh, The scripture says, after these things, I will come again and restore the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will build its ruins so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. I personally believe that there is a connection between the restoration of the presence of God, the restoration of the tent or the tabernacle where God's people experience his presence and the harvest. And I believe that as our uh, time in his presence increases, that that there's something of the the harvest that is being prepared, and we know that this is the season that we're in. It also says, uh, we learned at the end of that message in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, that it says, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that you've been given from God, so glorify God in your temple. And uh, we often think of that in terms of just... Um, walking rightly, keeping ourselves pure, keeping ourselves holy in the presence of God. But we learned that that word temple, in its deepest sense, meant, does anybody remember? It means a sacred edifice, that we are the temple of the Lord, that we are a sacred edifice, and even a deeper meaning that it means 
You within you have the Holy of Holies. You have the capacity to inhabit the Holy of Holies, the very presence of the Lord. And so to me, that was an exciting um, a portion of scripture. I hadn't really had that understanding before, but that word temple meaning that we are a sacred edifice unto the Lord. Each one of us, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've accepted him, and if you are in the place of decision and you have a heart for him, that, that you will be that one that can inhabit the very presence of the Lord. And we know that when we come together, that sense of God pres God's presence increases. The Lord also um, brought to my attention a portion of scripture in Revelation 3, 7, and, and I think we're familiar, you know, Revelation can seem like a very complicated book that uh, it talks about eschatology, and eschatology is a big word, and it really means the, the things that are about to happen, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as, as the end of time unfolds, and so it seems complicated to us, it's hard for us to understand but it's also the greatest, one of the greatest worship books in, in, the, in the Bible. And uh, we, we hear that, that worthy is the lamb who was slain. And, and in this particular scripture, um, John uh, is speaking to the church at Philadelphia. There were seven churches. They were geographical, historical churches that um, God was speaking direction into, correction into. And, uh, but it's also a message to the church down through the ages. It's a message to we as the church now. And this particular scripture says, He who is holy and true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one can shut and shuts and no one can open. We, we often uh, quote that scripture. God opens doors that no one can shut and shuts doors no one can open. Yeah. But I, I believe God wants us to look at that portion of that verse that says the key of David. How many of you know that when you have a key, it opens something? That God wants to give us keys, keys to his presence, keys to his word, keys to what he desires for us. I was thinking about this, and most of us now, depending on the age of our car, have a fob. And uh, I like having a fob because it's hands-free. So you can uh, think of it in terms of a fob. To me, it means that we can access something even quicker than a key, putting it in the keyhole. And the key, a key, speaks of authority as well. So the key of David, what does this mean to us? God wants us to have that key. He wants us to know what it is to be his personal attendant. And as we enter into this series of serving God, we want to put first things first and understand that our first service is unto the Lord, that we would be his personal attendant and he would give us keys that would open. One thing about David, he was probably in the Bible the greatest praiser and worshiper in the Bible. And uh, the Lord says that he was a man after his heart. I want to be a woman after his heart. So I want to take the keys that he gives me and it will unlock things for us and, and make a way for us. So praise God. Let's just look at the word of God. We're going to start with some practical biblical principles of our expressions of praise and worship. Now, most of you who have been in Connect for some time or who I've, we've pastored for some time, you, you know that this is a life message for me. You know that it's a life message for us. And so, um, you know, off and on, I will just preach this life message. Some of you think I maybe preach it over and over and over and over. Well, the reason I do is because it's a key. It's a key for our success. It's a key for our life. It's a key to walking in the very presence of God. So the first scripture we're going to look at this morning is 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, and we sang this, 
God wants to solidify our understanding of our identity and who he, who he is. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And, and those are wonderful identifications, aren't they? Um, you know, when you start thinking otherwise, um, you, wa you want to think about what the word, what if God says. You're a chosen generation. But I want to just highlight that word, a royal priesthood. Some of you were here when Pastor uh, Blake talked about the royal priesthood. And, and a term that he gave us at that time impacted me and has never left me. And that is that a royal priesthood, a priest, a priesthood like this is God's personal attendant. God's personal attendant. And so God wants us to know how to attend to the Lord, how, how to serve the Lord. And you know, when you love someone, you endeavor to attend to them. When you love someone, you endeavor to serve them and, and, and to meet their needs. And I love my husband, and I endeavor to attend to him, to attend to his needs. I endeavor to make him nice meals. And it was a good one last night, hallelujah. And then when he wants to attend to my needs, he takes me out. So <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I just make it known when I want my needs met. And uh, so it's a good thing. It's a good thing. We want to attend to one another. And you know, when we love each other in the body of Christ, we endeavor to serve one another and to, to meet each other's needs and to give our lives for one another. Uh, you know, if you look uh, at the term serving, and you look at all the apostles in the New Testament, that nearly all of their um, books open up with, I, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said it, Peter said it, James said it, Jude said it. And you know, that word bondservant or bondslave is not some kind of uh, derogatory term that someone's enslaved, but, but it means that they are just absolutely, totally, devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ, totally devoted to him. That's what it means to be a personal attendant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that's what he's wanting us to bring us into more and more and more. And, and you know, um, perhaps, you know, you've meditated on this, heard this message before, particularly those maybe who are new to our church family or, or new to being Christians and walking with the Lord to, to understand that there is a, a biblical a background for what we do and why we do it. Um, it's important that for us to understand that, that our praise and worship, that we would have the right attitude, yes. having a right attitude, uh, lining up our attitude with the Lord. How many of you sometimes have a poor attitude? Uh, yeah, we do. And, and uh, our attitude is important. So God wants us to have an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of thanksgiving unto him. And as you begin to stir that, just as we were remembering this morning, we take communion, we remember what Jesus has done for us, you start remembering that, then you have a complete attitude adjustment. How many of you know we need an attitude adjustment at times? I know that I do, and that our experience in experiencing the presence of God is progressive. As the children of Israel, the, the, the destination was that place of communion with God. That's our destination. God wants to take us when we're coming together. So we see this in familiar passages like Psalm 100. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. 
Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. As we were praising and as we were uh, listening to what God's word and the songs uh, said about us, I felt the Spirit of God saying, I am absolutely solidifying your foundation in the knowledge of who I am and who you are in me. And we've been in that process. And so that causes us to have a right attitude, an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of thanksgiving. The word praise there in Hebrews is tehillah. It means celebration, expressing admiration, approval, value, commendation. This is what we do as we praise the Lord. To bless the Lord means to salute. How many of you know that uh, maybe some of us don't like the idea of saluting? But sometimes you just got to salute. What is God saying? God, you say, I'm to enter into your gates with thanksgiving and praise. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's what salute means. That's what bless means. Congratulating the Lord, thanking him, praising him, and kneeling down in our heart. It's a portion of scripture that I love in the Old Testament. Again, it's talking about the children of Israel when they're in the wilderness, and Moses was their leader, and it was dry in the desert. How many of you know it's dry in the desert? And, and uh, they, you know, they they would be complaining all the time in the desert. We know the story. They were murmuring, complaining. They thought, oh, let's go back to Egypt. Everything was easy there. And they've come to a certain place, and, and they're dry, and they're thirsty. There's no water. There's no water anywhere. And uh, there's this portion of Scripture in Numbers 21:16. It says, they went to beer. That word beer means in Hebrew a spring or a well, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses... Gather the people together, and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, Spring up a well, all of you sing into it. How many of you know it doesn't make sense in a dry, dry, barren desert to dig a hole in the ground, gather God's people together, and just begin to sing into that hole? But what is the message to us? The message to us is that we're to gather as God's people. We're to gather, and the promise of God to us is, I will give you water. I will refresh you. We've been learning about that. There's such refreshing in the presence of the Lord. And then the people's responsibility was to sing into it. Yeah. Well, what, what could our dark, dark, dank hole be? Well, we, Pastor Blake was referring to it. There's heaviness. There's disappointment. There's been challenges this week. You, you've had relational difficulties. You've, you've had your um, life interrupted in some way. And, and, and so the Lord is saying, I want you to come on. Come on, people of God. Come together now and just begin to sing into that, that hole, that dark, dank hole. Sing into it. Sing into it. Sing into it. What happened? Water sprung up. Water sprung up. What an incredible lesson that we could learn. Psalm 66, 1 and 2 says, Make a joyful shout to God. All the earth, sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. I love that. Does it say, make his praise uh, mediocre? Make his praise comfortable for everyone. Uh, make his praise uh, sensitive to everyone. 
or does know. It says, make his praise glorious. And that word glorious means resplendent, magnificent, Adrian. Resplendent magnificence. Wow, that's a mouthful, isn't it? We wouldn't necessarily think that we could be the place where resplendent magnificence dwells, but I personally believe it. I believe it. I've experienced that. I know that the presence of God is resplendent and magnificent, and there's nothing else like it, and God wants to satisfy our hearts with his presence. Hallelujah. The second point about this, these biblical principles, remember, it's a key. Will you take the key? Will you take it? Will you use the key? Or are you going to keep standing at the door and banging, 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 banging on the door? Oh, God, help me. Help me, God. Let me in. Let me in. He says, you got the key in your hand there. you got a fob in your hand. You can have immediate access, and that door will open. Those gates will open for you. So take this key and begin to use it. You would think a person was crazy if they had the key to a uh, locked house and they didn't use it. Wouldn't you think it was crazy? When your friend, wouldn't, wouldn't you think that was crazy? Yeah, it would be crazy. So, hallelujah, he wants to give you guys keys and you can find your way into the presence of God. Sacrifice is important. Oh, we love that sacrifice word. How many of you like to be sacrificial in your life? Sacrificial. Most of us do not want to be sacrificial. However, that's part of principles of praising and worshiping God. And that means to die for a purpose. So we want to die to ourselves that the purposes of God would come forth. I was listening to a, a YouTube expression of, 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 from a family this week. How many of you have heard about the story about winter pits? Um, Winter Pitts was one of the stars of the war room. And just within the last week or 10 days that she was only 38 years old and she stopped breathing. And she died. She went into the presence of the Lord. And, uh, you know, this, it, she was a part of a very a godly family and her uncle was a pastor of a big mega church. And, and uh, her, her uh, cousin is Priscilla Shire. Perhaps you've heard some of her teaching, you ladies. But... Um, they were kind of having a round table to discuss with their people when something tragic like this happens. How do, we, how do we understand what a good, good father the Lord is and then tragedy or circumstances hit us that are so tragic and difficult and we don't understand them? How, how do we maneuver that? How do we navigate that? And they told the story of in the hospital room where this, um, she le left a young husband they had four beautiful girls, young girls. And as the daddy went out there, he spoke to his girls. He said, your mom is with the Lord Jesus now. And a great wail rose up in these young girls. We can identify with that, the pain of that. And what that father did, he just began to raise his voice in praise. He just began to sing unto the Lord. He began to minister to the Lord. He began to thank the Lord for his beautiful wife. And, and his daughters joined in and his family joined in. And uh, that way to access the presence of God. What an what incredible attitude. That that would be so solidified within us. So, so strong within our lives that no matter what would happen that would come to shake us, we would be found praising God. How? How do we understand this? Well, we don't understand everything, and it's not meant for us to understand everything. But we know there's a much bigger picture 
there's a much bigger picture than all of this and, and that God just wants us to trust. And that was the message this family was endeavoring to give to God's church family, that we just want to be in a place of trust. Recently, we as a family went through a, a, the same type of thing. Blake's uh, brother, Kevin, has one daughter, um, Kristen Marie, and uh, she had had a difficult life. They, their family was broken, and, and uh, she went through some difficult things. She found herself in, in drug addiction and on the street, but she was turning her life around. She had an eight-month, she has an eight-month-old baby girl, little old baby girl, little new baby girl. And, uh, you know, to our understanding, it, it's just so tragic and so difficult to comprehend. And yet, um, we know that she is in the presence of the Lord. She had made, turned her life around and was endeavoring to, to, to turn her life around. We don't understand these things, but God wants us to be in a place of trusting him in all the circumstances of our life, just to trust the Lord, uh, that we surrender ourselves to the Lord. In the word of God, it says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable service of worship. Your bodies. Well, we can be uncomfortable with the bodies. My body is too big. My body is too small. I don't like my body. But Jesus said, I want you to bring your body to me. It's holy and acceptable. Our physical posture is important to the Lord. Our physical body is important to the Lord and what we do. And I love this portion of scripture in Romans 6, uh, 13. It says, present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. We're alive. Say, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Your members. Well, what that means is your extremities, your hands, your feet. It's part of your body. That your hands, your feet... Your body is an instrument to be used of the Lord. He wants to play on you. He wants to play on your instrument. He wants to use your instrument as a, an expression of praise, as tangible as a piano or anything else. You are an instrument meant for praise, says the Lord. And we could have that wonderful freedom to express that. Hallelujah. Let's just say a couple of hallelujahs. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, God. Woo. Good for you. You did it. It's a key. It's a key. And for your first calling to serve God is to be God's personal attendant. So we're going to just look at some simple biblical expressions of praise in the Bible to know that, you know, why we do what we do. There's a reason for it. There's a reason we do what we do. Number one, with singing. La, 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 la. How many of you were told you can't sing? <laughs> Few. I break that off of you in Jesus' name. Everyone who is a child of God can sing. Everyone can sing. And we're supposed to sing. The Bible says in Psalm 47, 6 and 7, you're going to have to sing before you get hamburgers, everybody. Don't be distracted. <laughs> Don't be distracted by that, uh, that, uh, that food, okay, or the smells. Come and smell the presence of God. Come and eat the good food, the best food, the wonderful food that God wants to give you in his word. Psalm 47, 6 and 7, it says, Sing praise to God. Sing praises. 
Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God wants us to have understanding. Everybody is starting to think they have to line up for food, but um, those of you who can stay here would be good. Um, sing praises to God with understanding. So God wants us to know why we do what we do. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. Yes, sir, I will praise you. In uh, John 4, 24, it says, um, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit and truth. Say that with me, spirit and truth. Yes, hallelujah. And then in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Say that with me. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Hallelujah. When you say something like that, it stirs in your heart something of reality. But that is the truth. So God wants to worship us to worship him freely, in, in spirit, in the spirit, as the spirit of God causes us and enables us to be more and more free. We worship him, and we worship him in truth. What does truth mean? That means according to his word. So he's called you all to be singers. Hallelujah. You're all singers. You're all in the choir of God. You can all sing. Okay, let's prove this. This side sing, hallelujah. hallelujah. Okay, sing a little louder now. Hallelujah. 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 See, and if you really think you can't sing, get together with somebody who can sing. So, what is your name? Rain. Rain. Oh, rain down on rain, Lord. Anyway, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I kind of do. Anyway, <laughs> so rain, if you want to experience the rain of God, which is the best rain you'll ever experience, because somebody gave you a prophetic name along the way, because the Lord knows that he wants you to experience the rain. So I was listening to Adrian. Actually, Adrian, you sing pretty well. So you just keep staying close to him. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, it's getting better. It's getting better. Good. That's great. Hallelujah. See, you can all sing. You can all sing. <laughs> I love that. With joyful lips and gladness. <laughs> We're going to get so happy here because of the word of God. And it's a happy day because there's a picnic coming, but this is the best picnic you could ever have. Okay, with joyful lips and gladness, Psalm 68, 3 and 4. But let the righteous be glad, let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. Rejoice a little bit. Rejoice sometimes. Rejoice when I feel like it. Rejoice when there's reason to rejoice. No, it says rejoice. Rejoice exceedingly. I love it. The Bible makes things plain. There should be no question about your rejoicing because it says rejoice exceedingly. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. There's that singing again. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name. Yah, that's a Hebrew word for God. Yahweh, God, Yah. And rejoice before him. And 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says for... He who knew no sin became sin for us that we could be the righteous of, righteousness of God. So, we're righteous. If you're born again, if you love Jesus, you're righteous. 
Say, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. I am not self-righteous. I am Christ righteous. Good for you. Listen to you all expressing so good up here. Hallelujah. Extol means to lift him up, to praise highly, to glorify, to give honor, give admiration, to elevate Jesus. To elevate Jesus. Hallelujah. It means to shed radiance or splendor on. To shed radiance or splendor on. How many of you have ever gone into a beautiful ballroom where there's like a massive chandelier in the place. How many of you have seen that or experienced that? It's awesome. We were, we sang today, Lord, I want to praise you with wonder. Fill my heart with wonder. Oh, I just, my heart was filled with wonder. I'm filled with wonder of the glory of God. It's just like when you praise like that, when you worship God like that, you turn on a magnificent chandelier. And you know what? A lot of times we think, oh, I'm embarrassed. People might, what are they going to think of me if I, if I express myself to God? Ooh, what are they going to think? They'll, they'll think things about me. Yeah, they will. They think, look at that awesome person who's praising God with all of their heart and mind and strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But we're to be God conscious. So we want that chandelier to come bright. When that chandelier comes brightly, it outshadows everything else. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. God wants you to have this key. It's a key. It's a key. Take the key. Will you take that key? Take that key there, girl. Take that key, smiley face. Take that key. Take that key. Yes, hallelujah. Take it. Especially you young people, take the key. The fob of God. Put it in the door and walk confidently through it. I am a child of the king. There's room for me in the house of God. You're singing that. Do you believe it? If you believe it, then hallelujah, you're going to turn on the chandeliers of God. Yes, hallelujah, hallelujah. Miss Muffy over there, come here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, yeah, come on. Take it, take it, take it, take it. Amanda, take it. Hallelujah. You guys, I'll take it now. Give it to each other. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's a very exuberant expression of praise to the Lord, in case you were wondering. Hallelujah. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always. Praise God with understanding. Nehemiah 8.10, because the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's a key. You want to be strong? Yes. Yes, hallelujah. Come on there, young man. There you go. What's your name? Nathan. Nathan. Oh, Nathan. That's a pure spirit, Nathan. Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Rejoicing. If you feel weak, what do you do? Well, you know, yeah, praise God. Most of us, oh, I'm feeling weak. I'm feeling a little tired today. I was up all night. I couldn't sleep. Oh, mercy me. I've got to sleep in. I've got to look after myself. No, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Get yourself up. Take the key. Praise God. Hallelujah. You're going to get strong. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Believe me, I know this is true. How many of these have we got? We've got a few, and we've got five minutes to do it, so come on, let's go. <laughs> Number three, lift up your voices together, together. 
Our together voices in one is so important to the Lord. Second Chronicles 5, 13 and 14 says, Indeed it came to pass, when the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, and when they lifted up their voice with the instruments and trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, what were they saying? For he is good, for his mercy endures forever that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud so that the priest could not continue to minister because the cloud, the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. I'm waiting on that day. Every time I come into the presence of God, maybe it's today, Lord. Maybe I won't be able to stand up and preach. Maybe I'm just going to fall out in your presence and you're just going to come and shepherd your people. And I believe there's going to come a day and it's coming that we will experience the manifest presence of God so powerfully that there'll be sovereign deliverances, sovereign healings, sovereign times in the presence of God. Well, in an instant and a moment, he just comes and clears up all of our issues. I believe it. I believe it. I'm waiting to see it. The word glory in Hebrew is kavod. It means heaviness or weightiness. You know, sometimes in the presence of God, you just feel this weight, like, whew. You think you, maybe I'm tired. Oh, I'm just tired. Whew. But it's the presence. It's the weight of God. It's, it's powerful. It's wonderful. It speaks of wealth. It speaks of authority. And I love this uh, definition for the glory. Inv the invasion of God's reality into our human sphere. He wants to invade us. He wants to invade us with his kingdom. Come, his will be done. Number four, we are to worship with our whole heart. See, I'm, I'm giving you the scripture so you know what I say is true. It isn't just that, oh, certain people just have that personality that they can just worship God freely. Does the Bible tell us to worship God according to our personality? Does it tell us to worship God according to our personality type? No. You, some of you are not quite sure about that. But you don't know me. You don't understand me. But God understands you, and that's why he's given you this key. And for you to know what it is to serve the Lord and be his personal attendant. And we're worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. With my whole heart. How many of you know sometimes we just give him a little bit of half-hearted praise, just a little half of my heart, just a little half of my expression? It says whole heart, whole heart. Where? Well, when I'm at home and nobody can see me and, and, and I can just do it freely, this is where I can praise the Lord with my whole heart. But it doesn't say that in God's word. It says in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. We're in the congregation, this is where we are, this is where we praise him, come on, come on, let's praise him, praise him, praise him, come on and praise him, praise him, praise him, praise you, Lord, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Is that so hard after all? It doesn't, it just free you, it does, hallelujah. Number five, with uplifted hands with uplifted hands. Hallelujah. Just everybody lift your hands up. Everybody lift your hands and praise him. Everybody, everybody. Oh, those are kind of down. Just lift them up there, girl. <laughs> lift them up. Hallelujah. How many of you have heard? You can put them down now. That was a, this is just exercise. 
This is spiritual exercise, and you need some spiritual exercise to build up your spiritual muscles. Hallelujah. How many of you know and have listened and heard, Jenny is always saying, come on now, church, lift up your hands. <laughs> come on, church, lift up your hands. Yes, all the time. Come on, church, sing it out, sing it out, sing it out. We've got to be bolder in our response to those exhortations to do what the Word of God tells us to do. Hallelujah. And I, I love it because here in Psalm 63, 3 and 4, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name, in the name of Jesus. And you know, it is a sign of surrender. It's the Lord, I love you more. I want to personally attend to you more than I care about what anybody thinks of me. I don't care what they think of me. Uh, it's important to me what you think of me, Jesus. It's important to me how you need my and desire my praise and worship. And you know, he does. He, he wants it. He wants it. So we want to please him. And so this is why we do what we do. With clapping and shouts of victory. Hallelujah! Come on, give me a shout. Give me a shout. <laughs> Good! Psalm 47, 11. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shouting is not my personality. Most of you know, if you get with me in a room, I'm a quiet person. God takes the strangest things to use. I'm quiet. I listen. But God tells me here, Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Make a joyful shout unto God. Very quiet in the house right now. Shout, shout, shout. Hallelujah. 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 I've heard the, a term recently that, that I don't feel comfortable with praying on demand or, or, or praising on demand. But how about the word, what it demands, what it requires? The word of God constantly requires and demands for us to praise him with shouts of victory. Yes, sir. I'm your personal attendant. I'm your bond servant. I'm your bond servant, Lord. I love you. I love you. I adore you. I want to bless you, Lord. This is the kind of heart the Lord wants us to have with instruments of music. Oh, we're so blessed. We have those individuals who are gifted in music. What a gift to be able to pray, play on your drum or your guitar or to sing. If you're the instrument, I'm the instrument. I'm just so grateful I can sing unto the Lord. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Let's read it together. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Hey, how many of you have gone to grade one? Grade one in school? You can all read? You can all speak? Okay, let's start again. Psalm 150. I want you all to read this out loud so that you can feel yourself saying it. You can hear yourself saying it. Your eye gate is looking at it. It's powerful. Okay, let's all do this together in one accord. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. 
Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. One last one. But no, this is just an introduction. You know that. It's just an introduction because it's about the gates and coming in. I could teach on all this stuff for years, as you know, most of you. <laughs> for years and years and years. Because you know, when we get into the presence of God, this is what we're going to be doing all the time. I think we're going to do other exciting things too, but a big part of it is we're going to be in the presence of a holy God. And we're going to be so filled with wonder and so filled with his majesty and the chandelier of heaven is going to be so bright. Hallelujah. But let's not wait. Let's not wait. Let's, let's praise him now. Let's praise him now. Let's praise him now. We're to praise God with dancing. Yes, sir, Priscilla said. Okay, sir. How many of you in your life have kind of gone out to a place and danced yourself silly? Or not? Maybe some of you, you know, you were brought up in a Christian home when you were told, dancing is wrong, no dancing. No dancing, no shows. I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't go with the people who do. <laughs> When I was young, no cards, nothing of that variety. If I went to a movie, which I rarely did, I thought for sure Jesus is going to come and I'm going to be left here with Lassie and Elvis Presley. Oh, no. Praise God with dancing. But you know what? My mother, she was a free spirit. She loved to dance. So hallelujah, we took ballet, we took tap, and we, we were able to express ourselves that way. We had no hang-ups about dancing. Thank you, good mother in heaven, that you taught us that we could dance. And then later on, we found out, but God likes dancing. He loves it. He loves our expression. Remember, we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. You know, some of us have got, gotten into trouble with our bodies. Our bodies have taken us to a wrong place, and we've done wrong things. So why not glorify God in your body now? You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're a sacred edifice. You're the Holy of Holies. So in the Holy of Holies, we can express ourselves fully. Praise him with dancing. Psalm 149, 3. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with timbrel and harp. Psalm 150, verse 4. Praise him with timbrel and dance. I love this one. The children of Israel were in captivity. And this is the word of the Lord, Jeremiah 31, 4 and 13. Again, I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. You shall again be adorned with your tambourines, and shall go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old together, for I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. So this encompasses everybody, virgins, young men, old men, old women, young women, hallelujah. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Do you have the key? Do you have the fob? Will you take that key? 
Will you use that key? Because God wants to move. He wants to awaken us in this hour, in this time. And he wants us to know what it is to be his personal attendant. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining us today. We want to encourage you to take what you just heard and let it go deeply into your heart to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. We also want to encourage you to be a part of what's going on here at Connect. Head over to connectchurch.ca to find out how.